Good morning, everybody, and praise the Lord. It is good to be in the words of Pastor Tony and Father's house one more time. And what a blessed privilege it is to stand here. I must concur overwhelmingly so that uh, every time I think that I've been at the best camp meeting, uh, the next year seems to be better. And this year was no exception. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've been able to join you in camp meeting uh, just because of COVID. But uh, it's good to, to be with you again this morning. And what a wonderful camp meeting it has been. Uh, the singing has been just anointed, is all I can say, from beginning to end. Uh, the preaching has been phenomenal. Uh, I've enjoyed and I'm so thankful for um, the media uh, that allowed me to be able to enjoy services as I was traveling uh, back home. Uh, but it has just been a wonderful, wonderful camp meeting without question. There's one individual here who does not get a lot of praise. He does what he is supposed to do. He does it very well. No one says anything about him. He does not complain. Service after service, he has gotten up and has uh, given his gift and his talent so quiet and unassuming and he gets down when he's done and enjoys the service. Anybody know who I'm talking about? <laughs> After all of that you would think. Somebody give the drummer some. Nobody says anything about the drummer. And he does a marvelous job without his time and tempo. You know, and that's how God is. Many times just quiet, unassuming. He does what he does. But he keeps us in time, keeps us in rhythm, keeps us in tempo. And I sat there this morning and paid particular attention as he, without much expression, just, I'm doing my thing and uh, keeping everything together. So I, I don't know about y'all, but I thank God. I thank God for everybody, but I thank God for the drummer keeping us together and keeping us in time. I want y'all to respect the drummer. Put him in the front of the line from now on when it's time to get something. Amen. <laughs> Now, without question, we thank God for Sister Brenda. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm telling you. Uh, I've been in places where, you know, if people aren't getting paid a certain amount of money, they leave and take their talent someplace else. And, uh, but when you have someone that is so gifted and talented, even when she could have had excuses. I remember a time when her fingers were numb. Numb, had very little sensitivity and was still able to hit those keys and didn't miss a note. Uh, and this year, her shoulder, she's had other things, but uh, she promised the Lord, if you touch me and bless me, I'll be there to do my part to bless the body of Jesus Christ. And even when she didn't feel good, she was there. God has smiled on Sister Brenda so much so when the lights went out every place else, the fan on the piano was still going. Uh, that's how much, so when you have that kind of favor and power with God, he does special things for you that he won't do for anybody else. Uh, and, and speaking of the power, you know, the enemy tries to disrupt when he can, wherever he can. And he thought that he would try to uh, disrupt the camp meeting, but I'm glad for the resiliency of the saints uh, who made up their mind. Devil, 
you might take the lights, but you still won't take my power. And we went on into worship anyhow, didn't we? And we still had a good time in the Lord and God being who he is, amen, said, well, it's almost preaching time. Let me turn the lights back on. <laughs> and the lights came back up. And, uh, and so I, it, it's just been a good experience. I've been so thankful for all that uh, God has done for us here in camp meeting. Uh, Pastor Tony said this morning as he was making his preliminary remarks before prayer, he said this, and I was fine until Justin uh, had to remind me of it. Uh, he said, up to this point, the preaching has been good. So I had to swallow big, and I prayed, and, and the Holy Ghost helped me to get past it until Justin came down <laughs> out the choir and informed me duly that uh, Pastor Tony said. Now, I don't know what he meant by that, but... Uh, but Pastor Tony was right. The preaching, the singing, everything has been phenomenal. The fellowship has been beautiful. Uh, because of my shift and the way things were working for me, I made it a point to get here early uh, just so that I could fellowship with the saints before service. And I had a marvelous fellowship. Thank you for uh, permitting me to do that. And thank all of you who came to me and made your way over to me to let me know you were glad to see me and that that you actually missed me the last couple of years. That was marvelous, and I appreciate that so much. But I do have a, a bone to pick. I do have a bone to pick. Now, for the last several years, uh, someone always, and I don't know who it is, made sure that I had a cherry pie. Now, I don't know which one of you brothers need to come to the altar and repent forgetting my pie, but I did not get my cherry pie. Now, uh, I don't know who that sister is, but I'm going to be preaching a while if you got time to go home and bake one. <laughs> and, get, and I'm not going to stop preaching until I see it. <laughs> Would y'all give it up for my man, Brother Gary, who is one of our newest members at Kimberly Parkway. Uh, he is uh, traveling with me this morning. God bless you, Brother Gary. We love and appreciate you. And uh, thank God for all. I said y'all give him some appreciation. Didn't nobody. You know, put y'all's hands together. Amen. All right. That all being said, grab your Bibles, if you will. While you're doing that, get out a notebook and some paper, a real thick notebook with a lot of blank paper. Uh, for the notes that I want to give you this morning. And if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 John uh, chapter number, uh, well, verses, one chapter in John. So verses 4, 5, and 6. Stand with me to your feet for the reading of the word of the Lord. It is customary for me to ask you to do that because you're not honoring me, but we're just honoring the word of the Lord and the reading of his word. Thank God for, again, for all of the good preaching that I got a chance to enjoy while I was traveling home. Uh, it's just marvelous, and it's good to be here uh, this morning. Second John, verses 4, 5, and 6. Uh, here reads the word of the Lord. And uh, I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I write a new commandment unto thee, but that I but that but that which we have had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as we have heard from the beginning, 
you should walk in it. Now, before you have your seats this morning, there comes a time in all of our lives when we are pushed to the edge. Now, that does not necessarily have to be something negative or bad, but there comes a time, and, and I would even go further to say there should come a time in our lives when we are pushed to the edge. And, and by that, I mean that we are pushed to the point where we have to take a stand on what is right and against what is wrong. The more Satan and sin is exalted in our world and people tend to bend towards the wickedness and the unrighteousness, the more important it becomes that the remnant of the church will have to stand to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. The closer that we get to the end time or the coming of the Lord, the more apparent it is that we will be called upon to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into this marvelous light. The more we approach the end of time, the worse that times get and they will get worse. I know, I know, I know, I know we're praying for some great revival to go sweeping across the land, but times will get worse before they get better. And as they do, it will be more important than ever before that we as the body of Jesus Christ be prepared and prepare ourselves to defend that which we know to be true in God's word. The world is reaching for everything but the Lord. If I may, for just a moment, sidebar, before I have you sit down, uh, I know we have a war that is taking place in Ukraine. But it amazes me how that in all of their appeal for help, they're not asking for a preacher to come. They're not asking for an evangelist to come or for someone to come and pray over. What they're asking for are weapons that are carnal. They're asking for warhead and for uh, uh, missile power and, 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 and all. They're asking for things that will help them to fight, but nobody has said, uh, let the nation call on God for prayer and let us not bring more weapons to Ukraine, but let's bring some preachers to Ukraine. And I, I don't know any preachers that are volunteering for that either. Amen. But, but as it is that there's a tendency to ask for things that Anything but God. You're in trouble, call this hotline. You, you think you want to kill yourself, call this hotline. you depressed, call this hotline. You, you're in trouble, we got another hotline for that. You, you, your big toe is not, you know, got corns on it. Well, we got a hotline for that. There's a hot, anything but God is what the world is calling for. But the true child of God understands this morning that uh, if we are going to stand and stand, we must. We must stand on the infallible and never compromising word of God. So what are we standing on? What are we standing on? What, what are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? What truth are we proclaiming that testifies to the God that we serve and worship. Many in Christendom have their own agenda and they're standing on the things that are important to them. But our agenda is not going to get anybody saved. Our agenda is not going to transform any lives. Amen. And I want to speak 
to you this morning for just a few moments from this thought, the bottom line. I've come just to give you the bottom line, the bottom line. This is the, the bottom line, the bare facts and the naked truth. I just want to share with you the bottom line. And I want you, as we close out this camp meeting this year, I want to close it out by giving you the bottom line, shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, how thankful we are this morning that you allowed us to rise and to see this another Lord's day. And now, my Father, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, we ask that you will have your divine God-like way in everything that will be said and done this morning through thy name. Pray that no flesh will glory in your presence, that you, Lord, and you alone will be seen, that, that you will be exalted and lifted up when this service is over, we all will say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, Father, take my mind and think with it. Take my mouth and speak through it that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight. Whatever you do for us this morning, all the glory shall be thine for all of the glory is thine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The bottom line. The bottom line. As I stated in my preliminary, within the context of Christendom, many pastors and church leaders are pushing for their own agenda. And I'm not sure as I stand here that their agenda is that of Jesus Christ. Now, because I don't know and cannot attest to how God might be leading certain men and women as they stand to proclaim, and I'm only sharing, you know, what I have heard down through the years more recently. Uh, but as I've listened to different ones, it seems that... Uh, that they, they are not aligned with uh, at least uh, how the Lord has impressed upon me, uh, what should be a matter of urgency in this day and time in which we live. Uh, I believe that the heart cry of churches across America should, uh, should be dealing with, and this is just my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, Doesn't, you know, it's just my opinion, amen, uh, but in my opinion, there are topics that we should be dealing with, trying to handle. Uh, if we really believe uh, that Jesus is soon to return and that uh, he will be coming at any moment, uh, it would seem to me as a pastor, as a preacher, uh, that as I stand up to have opportunity to address God's people, I should be dealing with subjects such as the cause and effects of sin. What, what, what the cause of sin is, what the effects that sin has when the enemy gets his grip on our children and uh, sometimes our husbands or our wives, you know, what, what, what is the effect that sin has in the lives of different individuals? I, I think we should be talking about things like holiness, and holy living, what it is to, to live holy, especially in a time even in Christendom where there seems to be very little said about sin and holiness. I believe that, that we need to spend a lot of time dealing with this all for the purpose of getting people prepared for the coming of the Lord. Because somebody put it like this, none but the righteous shall see God. I think, in my own mind, I think that uh, as I approach uh, the study of God's word, that we should be dealing with things like the consequences of sin and the second death, what that is, what it means. That, that, that people need to understand that uh, you can't just commit sins and not suffer consequences. I believe that people of all ages even down to our smallest of children, need to be brought in and, and taught early 
in their childhood development that there are consequences for a life that is not lived within the confines of God's will and his church and his, his word and what he teaches us out of his word. Uh, the, the, the worse that times become, the more urgent is the need for us to make sure that, that people of every age understand that there are consequences for sin. They need to know that uh, in this life you die once, but we will stand before God in that great day and that there will be consequences for all of those who have rejected and denied and pushed aside and pushed away from, uh, from serving Christ, who, who have laughed at the blood-stained cross that, that bears the marks of uh, our Lord and Savior who willingly gave up his life and died that we might live. People need to understand, you can't laugh at Calvary and think that in eternity everything is going to be all right. There's consequences. And people further need to understand that Jesus is coming again. Now that ought to cause everybody to say, well, just give me one amen right there. Amen. That Jesus is coming again. Because that is the hope of the Christian believer. That's, that's my hope. That, that should be your hope. Amen. That when all is said and done with, with all of the turmoil and struggle and strife that I have had to endure with all of the temptation I've had to overcome with all of the many battles that I have had to fight, I got one thing to raise my hand over and that is I know, I truly know that one day Jesus is coming again to rescue and to take us away from this world and this life of sin. Uh, second coming of Christ. These are just a few of the things that I think are important that we need to talk about. Now my observation has been this, that most pulpits in these last days have become podiums for civil rights, for social action, for political posturing, and for prosperity preaching. And while all of these things may have a particular place, uh, but I think that they should never take precedence over our message concerning Jesus Christ. Amen. The Apostle John reminds us of the message. Just in case by some chance we have forgotten what our message ought to be and, and what it should be in these last days, the Apostle John comes along to remind us of the message. Amen. And I would almost argue, Pastor Tony, that, that if, if there was ever a time that uh, we had to be called upon to, uh, to give, a, uh, give a word of what we believe and, and what we stand for, I, I really believe if, if I never had, I had an opportunity to study, I should be able to at least get up and talk about the message. Are you in the room with me? And we need to rehearse the message. We need to practice the message as though we were practicing an elevator speech to get prepared for some major interview. We should know it so well that if we're called upon at the last moment, if we're brought before kings and governors, if we are brought before presidents and we don't know anything else to talk about, we should have the message so well rehearsed in our minds and anchored in our spirits that if we can't talk about nothing else we can talk about the message amen. are you here with me this morning amen and John reminds us of the message and he tells us that the message should take center stage above everything else he tells us that the message that we have uh, is the very essence of our Christian faith and what is the message? Here it is. He writes and he says, now I beseech thee, lady. And let me just take a moment to explain that. There are two different uh, uh, theological points of view where the, who this lady is. Uh, with some, they believe that it was just a companion that John knew that he was writing to, uh, to her, her family, and she was to take the message back to the rest of the church. 
to others, they uh, have surmised that the lady here represents the church itself. Amen. Uh, I, I, the church of God, I love thy courts. Thou mother of the free, the blessed home. Thou mother of the free. Thou mother of the free. Thou mother of the free. The lady, the blessed home of all the saved, I dwell content in thee. Without spot and blameless, my brother, she lives beneath the all-cleansing flood. In heaven and earth, there is no other. Her builder and maker is God. So uh, we sing about the lady. And we refer to her in our songs. We refer to the church as the mother of the free. Amen. The blessed home of all the saved. So uh, it could be that this lady here that uh, John is referring to uh, is he's just talking. Uh, it's a letter to the church for the church about the church. Or it could have been a companion that he had trusted and I had supported his ministry down through the years. I just want to make that clear because, you know, when you read that and you see who, who's this lady, amen. Now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, here it is, that we love one another. Hmm. The message. The message. The message is a message of love. And he's saying that I'm writing this. I need to remind you. I need to bring back to your of all the things that we have talked about and taught and all the things that we must talk about and teach as it relates to the church and salvation and the body of Christ and what it means to be saved and who God is and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All of that is important. But when we get done, if we're brought before the kings and the queens of our world, we must be able to tell them the message. And we must be able to say it in such a way that it is without question convincing and, and compelling and will cause even the hardest of sinners to take notice to what we're saying. Because even the hardest of sinners has a place in their lives where when God speaks to them concerning his love for them, it causes them to pay attention. They have to listen. This is the message. He says in verse 6, and this is love, that we walk after his commandment. That, that's the message. The message is that, that we love and that love will cause us to walk after the commandment. And this is the commandment, that as we have heard from in the beginning, that we should walk in it. What is it? It's love. That's the message. And John is writing to remind the listener that, 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 listen, of all the things that concern us, don't you ever forget the love of God and that we are to walk in his commandment to love and to love one another. This world, in this world, uh, uh, you, know, where, you know, people are satisfied uh, and, and they're working, and the world is working to justify uh, sin through legislation. This world is seeking to justify sin uh, through our court systems and uh, on a number of different levels. I know recently uh, we have seen uh, where legislation has uh, overturned uh, abortion laws and and or tried to or has overturned the uh, fact that abortion should be legal and now they're trying to you know now it's supposed to be illegal again and that'll last for a few years until we get another Supreme Court or somebody else in I mean there's you know you can't put your trust in man in man in, in the legal system because it'll shift it'll change depending on who's there uh, but we've seen recently where uh, the world has, uh, ha is working through the legal system to justify sin. And, and again, abortion is just one of them. Uh, Same-sex marriage would be another one. And uh, uh, the, the use of narcotics like uh, marijuana and other things, uh, all of these things have, have become legal. And, and it's become legal through our court system. And so if we follow the court system, uh, that's the way of the world today. But, but God has never asked his children to follow the legislation system. 
and to follow after it because to do so, this world is taking uh, truth and has turned truth into to, to darkness as far as they are concerned. They're trying to take, they're trying to use their voice to turn the table on truth, and they're trying to make what is true wrong. And they're trying to make their lies to be true. Amen. But in, in spite of all of that, saints, we must hold to the message. Now, I'm telling you some things that I, I know that, oh my God, that we're going to be tested and tried on. And to do that, it's going to really, it's going to really take a work of God to help us to do it. I already know it. There are things that are going on in our society today that we need God to help us to hold to what we know is true. Because when we are tested and tried, uh, the, the, the Lord will find out and then we will know for ourselves whether or not we had the ability to stand up. Peter found out when they asked him, is he, is he, aren't you with him? And he had it, the table turned. One minute, he was saying, Lord, I'll go with you all the way. As a matter of fact, don't you even worry about it. I got your back. You just sit back and chill for a moment. I got my little side piece. If something happens, Lord, I got you. You, my man, I got you. And all it took was a, a little woman with a simple question. <laughs> and he turned tables just like that. Saints, I'm telling you, now that was before the Holy Spirit, but after the Holy Spirit, we see a whole new different Peter. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us by example how that we are to love one another. The apostles embraced Jesus' message, and through the epistles, we are told how we are to walk after the example that has been set forth by Jesus Christ, and the only way we can do it is by the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. The truth is, we cannot do it alone. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. Now, Holy Spirit is not some spooky ghost, somebody somewhere uh, that makes us do crazy things. I've seen people that, that what they're doing is not the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Holy Ghost is brought to your life and mine to strengthen us and to help us, to encourage us and to comfort us, to give us the power and the ability to live like God would have us to live, to live in a way that is pleasing in the sight of God. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, not to do something crazy and goofy, amen, but it is to empower us to be able to stand and after having done all to stand, to keep on standing in the face of our foe and stand so much so that if we have to lay down our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we get to the point where we are pushed to the edge that says, if I lose my life, then so let it be. But I refuse to take back. I refuse to take down. I refuse to give in. I refuse to throw in the towel. I refuse to give up. I'm going to stand for the Lord until I die or until he comes back again. Three real quick points, and I'm going to let you go. You know, you knew, you knew before I got here, if Pastor Iran's preaching, he's got three points. And if we don't say amen enough, I'm going to tell you like uh, the brother did the other night, if you don't say amen enough, I'm going to stay on these points until I know you got them. Amen. <laughs> amen. Three real quick points, because I know y'all tired and I'm hungry. Amen. Number one, write this down, write this down, write this down. And, and I, you know, the young people, I don't know if they're still doing it, but uh, they would come to me after church, and they would bring me their notes. And those notes, I took them home and scanned them on my computer. And I'm going to use them notes as evidence against them if they ever start walking the wrong way. Amen. <clears throat> Here's number one, write this down. Followers of God in confession. Followers of God in confession. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 through 8, the Bible says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. 
the Lord did not set his love upon thee, uh, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, but ye were, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he uh, will keep his oath uh, that he has sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. What we see here in this passage is that God is giving us the reason why he chose the children of Israel. And what God is doing is he is here making a confession of why he selected the children of Israel. And simply put, he selected them because he loved them. God speaking to Moses gives us two reasons why he has set his love on them. Here it is. First of all, because he loved them. That's reason number one. I chose you because I loved you. And God is confessing. He's confessing his love for the children of Israel. I, I, just, I just loved you. And that's why I have chosen. It could have been anybody. But, but God had a special affection for this people. And he said, I chose you because I love you. Then the second thing is, he said, I chose you because I made a promise to your fathers. I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I told them that from your seed there will be a great nation that will be more than the sand of the sea. And so God, uh, God had, he said, I, I, I chose you. I'm confessing to you right now why I chose you. And here it is, because I loved you and because I made a promise. And we ought to be glad to know this morning that when God makes a promise, he does not go back on his promise. A lot of people go back on their promises. A lot of people, they do good for a while, but then when they get pushed to a certain point, uh, whatever promise they made you does not supersede their will for their own life and self-preservation. They will preserve their life and take care of themselves before they take care of you if it means breaking a promise. But not so with God. And the reason why we ought to be glad is because no matter what situation we find ourselves in, it's just good to know that whatever promise God made to me, I can count on that. My wife may forsake me. My children may not claim me and, and others may try to reject me and deny me. But one thing for sure, amen, that God, he will always hold true to his promise. And he said in his word that if I will follow him and keep his commandments and do his will, that he would be with me always, even until the very end of the world. And so therefore, no matter what circumstances as I come up against, I know one thing for sure. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will stand forever. And if he said, I ran, I'm going to be with you, you can go to the bank and be assured that God will always be with you and never walk out on you. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. So this was God's confession. He was not ashamed of Israel. And God will make a confession to you and I as well. And in the same way that God uh, is looking for us to make a confession of our love towards him because he first loved us. So just as God has made a confession and said, I have chosen you, and we are here this morning saved from our sins, washed in the blood of the Lamb, because God has chose us. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world. And the mere fact that he has chose us, all he's asking for is return, in return, the same way that he has chose us, he wants us to choose him. And so therefore, if we are giving back to God the same love that he has given to us, we cannot allow ourselves to be enticed by sin and to give in to sin. I can't do it because God loves me. I, I can't go that way because my God loves me. I, I can't break my vow to serve the Lord because my Father loves me. And because he loves me, well, I ran, why do you do it? Amen, because he first loved me. I just can't help myself. Amen, the fact that he loved me is the reason why I'm giving my love back to him. And the same way he has loved us, he says, I want you to make a confession that you're going to love me the same way. When we're brought before those who are in authority and they ask you, 
Why do you go to church? You ought to have a confession down in your soul that says, I go because I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore. I was very deeply staying within. You don't know it, but I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. So you ask me why I serve him? You ask me why? I'll tell you why. Because he first loved me. That's my confession. I stand on it, and I won't take it back. Amen. That's my confession. Because of how he loves me, the fact that he's not ashamed of me, I should not be ashamed of him. Amen. God is not ashamed to say that he loves us. And we shouldn't be ashamed to tell anybody else, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye has been on the sparrow, and he, I know he was. Who, who's he? Who is he? He's not the man upstairs. He's not, you know, that guy. No, no. He is my father who is rich in mountains and land. He's my heavenly father who sits high on his throne, who, who spanned all the galaxies in their place. Uh, he's my father, the one that told the son, I want you to get up in the east, and I want you to go to sleep in the west. He's my father, and I love him, and I love him because he first loved me. And I'm not ashamed of it, no, because he's not ashamed of me. According to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 through 20, the Bible says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And if any man love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he has, not, he has not the love of God in him, but God is love. Saints, listen, let me tell you something. We follow God. We must follow God in confession. But here's number two. Write this down. Follow God in possession. We follow him in confession that we are willing to confess him. And we're willing to claim him just as he loves us and claims us. But I also follow him in possession. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that knoweth not God, uh, uh, he that loveth not, knoweth not God. And here it is, because God is love. God, by his very nature, is love. God doesn't have to try to do anything to love. God, by his nature, is love. Now, sometimes we, ha we have to try to love some people. I mean, sometimes people push us to where, you know, uh, well, yeah. we have to try to love people. There's some people that we have to try. Sometimes, you know, uh, trying to love Ray Ray and, and Snooky and Bookie and them after they done broke in my house. Uh, you know, I got to try to love you. I, I got to try to love people who always disappoint me and, and let me down and, and don't do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it the way they're supposed. You know, it makes, you got to try to push past disappointment to love. Sometimes even in our, our homes, our spouses sometimes can push us to, well, we love them, but boy, boy, they make loving them hard sometimes. Amen. Okay. Brothers, there was too many amens that came from these men. Uh, <laughs> but, but God does not have to try to love because God by nature is love. God is possessed with love. That, that's just who he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. It's, it's not the things that he does. He don't have to do anything to try to prove his love. God is by nature love. So it's, it's not that, that 
that God has to do something in order to, to show his love. Uh, he, is, he just loves us because that's his very nature, amen? So no matter what the circumstances are, God is a God of love and his love is sure and his love never changes because it's just who he is. Amen. It's who he is. The same way God is naturally a love, he desires for his creation, that's you and me, that we uh, be, uh, have a supernatural love. Because we are not by nature loving. We learn to love, and we, we can possess love as we learn to love, and love can certainly grab a hold of us. But even when we are loving at our best, we are still tried and, and tempted. And if we're not careful, uh, we can say, I love you, and make a confession, but not possess the love that God has for people who are not what they ought to be. Are you in the room with me? What I'm trying to say is, and that is, uh, that I, I can say a whole lot of things. We can confess a lot of things with our mouth, but not be possessed of those things or have that in our heart where we truly mean it from our heart and it truly becomes a part of who we are. So a lot of people can say things, but just because you say it, a lot of people can say that they're Christians and a lot of people do but they are not possessed with the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God. And therefore, even though they make a confession with their mouth, their life, their attitude, their conduct, their behavior says something totally different. Do you not know this morning that we have to love people who are different than us in every way, shape, or form? Amen. We, we have to love those. We have to love Muslims and we have to love Hindus and we have to love, you know, people who are of different faiths. We, we have, and that love I'm talking about is not just, you know, something that we say with our mouth. That's confession. I'm talking about a love that is possession so that when I'm in the presence of people who are of a different faith or of a different nationality or the hue of their skin is different than the hue on my skin, it doesn't mean a thing to me because when you have the love of God possessing you, you are able to love beyond what you see with your eye, what you hear with your ear, or what they're cooking in the kitchen. You can still love them. That's not confession. That's possession. I am so possessed with the love of God that I don't care what you look like, what flag you were born under, what country you came from, I still have the love of God that says if you're thirsty, I'm going to give you something to drink. If you're naked, I'm going to put clothes on your back. If you're in trouble, I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to interrogate you. I'm not going to investigate you. The mere fact that I am possessed with the love of God will move me to do what I would not do in my flesh without the help of the Holy Spirit, I now find that I can do it because I have the love of God. Oh, come on, church. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? God is calling us to a higher level of love, not where it's just something I say with my mouth but it's something I have within my spirit so that no matter who is broken, no matter who is in trouble, no matter what I see with my eyes, I still have the capacity in my heart to show compassion. Well, finally, not only do we follow God in confession, not only do we follow him in possession, because, you know, God, you know he does love us with possession. You know, he said this one time. He said, if my people. Now, he claiming, he's claiming people. He said, I, I'm, I possess this people. He said, if my people who are called by my name. He, he loves so much, he said, I'm going to give you my name. Oh, church of God. I love thy courts. Amen. He said, I'm going to give you my name. 
would humble themselves, which says that God loved his people so much, he had so much, they were so much in his possession that he claimed them. They were full of pride, he said, but if you humble yourself, he, they were going the wrong way, so he said, if you turn from your wicked ways. He, so, so his people had problems. His people had issues. His people were in trouble, but he still confessed that he possessed them. But later on, and this is what I want to close out with right here, not only in confession and possession, but also we must follow God in expression. Hmm. I follow him in confession. That's what I say with my mouth. I love him. He loves me. I love his people as he loves his people. That's, that's my confession. I, possession is seen in the fact that uh, I, I, I am possessed with his love. I'm possessed with his love that it becomes indiscriminate. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have any conditions tied to it. We call it agape love. Uh, we, it doesn't have any conditions tied to it. And, and that's because of the possession. But finally, having confession and possession doesn't mean very much if there's no expression. <laughs> Amen. You can tell me all day long you love me. You can tell me all day long you possess what your love for me. But if you don't express your love to me, it doesn't really mean very much. Let me give you an example, see if I can help you out with this. I come here, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity just to be able to worship with you. And I'm grateful. It, it means a lot to me that Pastor Tony and the church, by virtue of some things that you have said, uh, appreciate me coming and uh, being a part of your camp meeting or any service that you have. It's not just camp meeting, but every time I come, you make me feel very special, and I appreciate that. But, but let me show you what expression is. Uh, expression is this. When the choir is up singing and the choir gets done singing, expression is when some of the brothers come down you know, and I'm sitting there, they'll, they'll hit me on the leg. That's expression. Some of them will rub my knee. Now, don't rub long. <laughs> keep, keep it at my knee. <laughs> Justin, he'll give me a fist bump. Chad, he'll, you know, he'll pat me on the shoulder and smile and let me know. See, that's expression. See, with guys, you know, a little fist bump, a, a little pat, you know, uh, they're saying when they do that, how, hey, I love you, man. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Praying for you. Keep, keep, you know, that's, that's their expression. Uh, some of the saints come to me after service. Some of them going to get on me because I didn't sing. And, uh, but some of them come to me after service and let me know, uh, Brother Watson, it's good to see you. It's always good to have you down here. That's expression. You know, that means something. It means something. It's, it, I cherish those, those times. Uh, but if you just confess and you just possess, but you never fist bump me, you never hug me, you never look me in my eyes and make sure you have my attention and say, I love you, you see, then there's no expression. If, if I'm in a tight situation, you know, I came down here, I forgot what, it was, it was Sunday night or Monday, I can't remember what it was, left my wallet at home, and I left early to get gas, and, uh, and so I said, well, I got to press on the upward way, because I said, I got hurt, I got to get to camp me, I got to get to camp me, so I came down, and, and Brother Jeff, I said, Brother Jeff, I, said, now, I was going to be on time, I said, but Brother Jeff, I said, I, I ran a little late, because I left my wallet, he said, well, do you need gas, I'll take you. I got you. See, that's expression. That when people are willing to, to show you that they love you is expression. Here's saying, and I'm almost done. All I want you to understand this morning is simply this, that confessing that you have the love of God is wonderful. That's nice. That's good. And, and I'm glad to hear your confession. To say that you love the saints of God. 
that's wonderful because that's what we should be able to do is confess our love for the saints. And, and then be possessed by the love of God, that's a wonderful thing. But what God is looking for in your life and mine as we close out the last moments, not just of this camp meeting, but of this whole entire world and universe, as we are bringing it to its final climax, God is saying, listen, I need some people in these last days that can go out and express my love. I need some people because our world is in trouble, saints, whether you want to believe it or not. We have, uh, we have between suicide and opiates and between drug addiction, between uh, the rise in crime of, of weapons uh, against people and, and with all the different things we have going on, not to mention the frustrations that we have all around the world and overseas and in various places with all these different... God is saying that if the world is going to be helped, it's not going to be because we have have more psychiatrists and more I heard of a story uh, of, of a man that was a psychologist and a counselor for people who were had addiction problems and and that same man who was a counselor for people who have addiction problems fell off the cart and started drinking all over again and was put into a rehab came out of the rehab and then uh, was doing pretty good had another relapse and back into the tank again in order to dry out. What I'm saying is the answer for the world is not in the hotlines that we set up and the programs that we have and the money that we give away and all the different things. No, that's not where the answer is. Saints, Andre Crouch was right when he said it years ago. He said Jesus is the answer for this world today. Above him there is no other. Amen. Jesus is the way. Saints, our confession, our possession, and our expression to the world in these last days need to be that we know who the answer is. Amen. We have the real answer. You don't have to call a hotline. Amen. Will you, come on, I'll talk with you. I'll meet with you. Let's sit down and pray. And we may not be able to get everybody at one time, but we can get one person at a time. Every, every opportunity that you have to sit down and talk with somebody and, and to hear their concerns and, and to bear their burden and to understand what they're going through. Every time God permits a situation to develop where you have an opportunity to sit down and talk with somebody who is hurting and who has been pushed to the edge, only their edge is the next move is suicide. Their next move is an overdose. Amen. When God has presented an opportunity for somebody to come into your presence and you have confession and you have possession, but you refuse, you close the bowels of your compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in you when you allow them to walk away in the same sorry, miserable condition that they were in before they came to you and you could not open up your mouth and give an expression of the love of God and let them know, listen, my brother, my sister, you don't have to go down that way. It doesn't have to end that way for you because I serve a God who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. And I can tell you how I know because I was out there too. My life was miserable. I was in all kind of trouble. But God found me. God got me. God picked me up. God cleaned me up. God turned my life around. I'm a new creature today because God has been good to me. And God has empowered us. But I can't do that. I can't no, no, in your flesh, you cannot do that. With your own strength, you're not able to do that. But when God fills you with his Holy Spirit, he gave you everything you need to be able to now express what he has given you by confession and possession. You're now able to express it because he has given you power through the Holy Spirit to do that. I just want us to understand, saints, 
Oh, God, we can sit back in a nice, cozy atmosphere and enjoy the, the wonderful bliss of being in the presence of the Lord. Or we can say forward, forward is the battle cry, onward, onward, to my home on high. We shall conquer for the Lord or die, the foe retreating. Press the battle on. We're in a fight, saints. Amen. God has not called us to be wimps. He has called us to be soldiers. He has called us to be in the battle in the army of the Lord. And in God's army, we have to confess, I know who my general is. I have possession because I'm wearing his uniform. I have on the garment of righteousness. But in my expression, I am able to go out and fight the good fight of faith. Amen. To do what God has called me to do. To lay it all down for the Lord. And if I perish, then let me perish. But I'm going to see the king. That has to be the determination of the Christian believer in these last days. Don't, 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 don't turn and go the other way. When you see someone approaching, regardless of what you see with your eyes, you got to see with your heart and let God express through you what he has put in you. So that what you said about him and what you said about his people will be seen in your life as we close out the setting of the sun. And when the sun goes dim, the son of nature will shut up, but the son of man will stand up and come back to reclaim all of those who said, I believe. Saints, it's up to you. It's up to you. There's confession. There's possession. And there is expression. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.